Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 516. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you're here to join us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Kevin Koskella. Kevin is the founder of Work Hero, and I know we're going to have a great conversation because I already get to see some of his background information. But welcome, Kevin, and I would love... Oh, I didn't even give you a chance to respond. See, I'm already excited. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Kevin. I'm going to try that again. Positive Productivity is not about perfection. Thanks, Kim. I'm super excited to be here, especially with that introduction. Oh, I know. That was such a flop, but I just got to keep on going with it. (laughs) I would love if you would give the listeners a little bit of your backstory and tell them how you got to be the founder of Work Hero, because I know a little bit of the story, but you can tell it better than anybody else. Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm going to go all the way back to like when I grew up as a kid, uh, back to eight years old, I started swimming at my local like neighborhood pool. And that turned into eventually becoming a competitive swimmer. And that basically took over my life from age eight to about 22. And I, that's really all I knew was swimming. I, you know, I was, I was an okay student. It wasn't crazy about school, but I was good at swimming. And that kind of carried me through both with like being developing confidence and just having something to do. Like every day we had swim practice. So that sort of kept me busy and it was what I was known for and all that. Then I got out of school and I just didn't have any clue on what to do with my life because all I ever did was get in the pool and swim and then race. And so once I got out, I I started working at some high tech like corporate jobs, bounced around a little bit to figure out you know, what, where I wanted to be. I did sales, marketing, account management, uh, partner management, like kind of all across the board, nothing technical because I never was really that crazy about, you know, doing actual like programming or coding, but I did a lot of other jobs. And, um, what I found eventually was that I was, I made myself, or I found that I was unemployable <laughs> because, mm. uh, I just didn't have it in me to work for someone else, like in a man, like someone that manages me and the, the best, that I found like out there in the corporate world, the best uh, jobs that I found were ones where I had kind of a hands-off boss that I could do the job and they would just kind of guide me if I needed it, but not over like stand over my shoulder. So that sort of led me to, um, eventually I got laid off from from a a corporate job and I decided to start my own business. And um, instead of like doing something in the high tech world, which is what I was working in, I went all the way back to my roots and I started teaching swim lessons for adults. And in my the city that I was living in, there was a lot of demand for that. So I started getting these adults that needed to either not necessarily learn swimming, although some of them needed to learn swimming, but sometimes it was just like they're trying to get better at swimming. And often it was freestyle, which is kind of the, you know, people know it as I crawl, which is um, the most common stroke. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I love doing this. I wasn't making like a ton of money or anything, but I love doing it. And I had a, I built a business around it. So I was like the go to person for a while for adult swim lessons. And a lot of people that were coming to me were triathletes. And that means they did uh, these races that are swim, bike, run. Some people might uh, have heard of it. Uh, it's usually like people think of it as the Ironman Hawaii, which is yeah. like really difficult race that is, uh, you know, kind of world famous because of NBC broadcasting it and making, you know, this big production out of it. 
but there's all kinds of different distance of triathlons. You can do a really short race that's like 30 minutes long, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, or you can do all the way up to the Ironman, which is, you know, an all day event. But um, a lot of people do it just to, you know, like it's something to keep on track, to stay in shape for social reasons. You know, there's all kinds of reasons that people do triathlons. And so that website, like I started with just swim lessons and then it turned into triathlon swim lessons and training. So my website was triswimcoach.com. And um, I started out with just selling workouts and then I turned that into an ebook and then I turned that into a DVD and then eventually it became a membership site. So you pay to be a member and then you get content around swimming training. And so that went on for many years. Can uh, I interrupt you for a second, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's just absolutely amazing because I can hear entrepreneurs out there buzzing right now thinking about it. You were a swim coach, a swim teacher, but mm -hmm. you took this into an online business because so many people may think, well, I have to have, you know, how do I translate fitness? And I know we can all watch videos online, but just taking the initiative to actually create the products for something that you wouldn't necessarily think was an online product. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny because back then, and I started in like 2004, wow. it was when I first got my website up. And back then it was like, people would just look at me like if I, you know, they say, um, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I run this website that teaches triathletes swimming. And I just, people look at me like I have three heads and it's like, <laughs> I, it never made any sense to anyone. And even now it's kind of hard for people to wrap their head around that you can take a hobby and make it into a business, you know, no matter what it is, even swimming, which is something that obviously you have to be doing in the pool. Like you can't just watch videos and then know all the newest techniques and things like that. But, but there are people that are passionate about triathlon. They want to get better at these things. And swimming is the hardest of the three for most people because they didn't most of the time grow up swimming. Absolutely. So they have to kind of yeah, relearn yeah. as adults. I was watching, um, my family has watched Survivor for, for quite a few seasons. I haven't watched it in years. But I'm always amazed by the Survivor contestants who go on and can't swim. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. what were you thinking of? You're always put on a deserted island and yeah, you're exactly. going to have to go into the water. I mean, I think there's been a few seasons where they haven't been, you know, right near the ocean or whatever. But come on, people, get some swim classes before you go because you're probably going to have to tread water for a little bit or something. Yeah, it is amazing how much of the world doesn't know how to swim mm -hmm. at all. And and even like I had a long story, but I'll just a short is I got a job offer long time ago to be a swim coach in Sri Lanka, which is a little island off of the coast of India. Really? Little island country. And uh, yeah, I, I got an it was an email offer. They wanted me to go down there and, and coach their national swim team for I think three months. And um, not even knowing me at all, just saw my website and was like, oh, yeah, you, you know, you'd be great. And so I found out I did some research on the country. And most people, even though they, they all live on the coast, most people don't know how to swim. And there's all this problem with drowning. And wow. so, yeah. so anyway. Wow. OK, so where did it go from there? Yeah. So I um, so I, I built the membership site and, you know, I was making a living doing this. And so that's where I was like, I never could see myself turning back and going back to the corporate world and having a boss and going to, like into a building every day that I had to be be there. And I, I sort of learned that rich dad, poor dad philosophy of you want to be running a business, not 
not being self-employed or being an employee. Right. And that kind of that diagram really resonated with me. And like, I, and I can't, I just couldn't see myself going backwards. So that turning that into a business that I could run, you know, like behind the computer and not have, uh, not have to be there, you know, trading time for money, all that, like that was really where I knew that's where I wanted to be. So, um, I mean, it took a while. It wasn't like an overnight thing at all. I was working part-time jobs to, to make ends meet and, and while I built the website, but you know, eventually it was something I was earning a living and I was super happy because that's really all I wanted. You know, I wanted my, one of my main values in life is freedom is having the freedom to do, you know, to not feel like I'm obligated to do all these things. So that was a huge thing for me to, to sort of get that business up and running. And then, yeah, eventually after a few years, I, the way I built it, because I mentioned earlier that I, I wasn't like I wasn't a super technical person going into all this. So I had to hire people at every step of the way and then partner with people as well. Yeah, to, I was curious about that because yeah, you said 2004. I mean, I had my yeah. first website built in 2005 and it was not WordPress. It was all hard coded right. and going in to make any alterations was a huge headache for me. Yeah, it's a nightmare. You change one thing and the entire site changes and it's like, oh, <laughs> like, what did I do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I experienced a lot of that. And, um, you know, instead of, you know, again, going back to the rich dad thing, instead of thinking like, oh, I need to learn all this, like I did learn some HTML so I could just understand somewhat what's going on with, you know, how websites are built and how, how things run. But I didn't do it for the purpose of I want to build my own websites. I I was hiring people from, you know, sites like Elance and, you know, later became uh, Odesk and then Upwork. And, and I was hiring people from there and having a lot of success. Like I needed to get a website built. I hired somebody. The first website I ever did, I paid $100 for. Now, of course, it wasn't like some amazing looking website, but it worked and it got me to where I needed to go. And then from there, I was able to afford after you know, building the business up, I was able to afford to hire a little bit better of a designer and then the site looked better. And then I just sort of kept iterating it until, you know, that it looked that it was a professional website. And so I felt like one of my strengths was being able to hire the right people because I had to get good at that since I wasn't the right person. I didn't want to be that person that was doing all of those tasks, the, you know, updating the website and even the designs, which I'm not, I'm also not a designer. So I, I had to get good at finding the right people and at the right prices to do these things. And then also partnering with people that could do things, you know, in, in, in exchange for whatever. And so that that was how I built it. So then after a while, I thought, you know, I should start. I really would like to start an agency for people that are doing like a like a marketing agency for people that are doing similar things to what I did, like pr selling information products. So I started down that path and that seemed a little bit overwhelming, but then I sort of narrowed it down to just those two areas that I struggled the most with, which was the coding, the, the programming, and then the uh, design part of it. And so that's, what, that's how I ended up starting Work Hero. I thought this is a, an idea that could help so many people that want to get going on a business or are already, they're already doing like some sort of business online but have these areas that they really don't want to do, but they're doing them anyway because, you know, they're not making enough money or they just feel like, well, that's that's what I have to do. I'm, I'm the business owner. I need to I need to do everything. So I thought this was a way for them to take that out so that they can focus on their actual business, like creating new business and their content. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So when I when I had my first website designed in in 2005, I had already started a, or 2006, I had already started a eBay store. 
Mm-hmm. And the store was just blowing up. But I was spending so much a month on eBay fees. I was like, I need to find another way out of this. Like, I need to yeah. find another way to sell. So while eBay remained the main e-commerce platform for the business, I sent every customer a postcard telling them that they could get a discount if they went to my own e-commerce shop. Mm-hmm. And it grew. But a lot of people who started finding me online, they're like, well, we're going to buy from you because your website looks good. Like, other ones look like they were homemade. And oh, at yeah. that time, I remember it cost me, it only cost me 1500 which today... Wow. Like, you're hard-pressed to find an awesome-looking site made by somebody else for 1500 Yeah. Oh, yeah. But That's... before I hired out, I had checked books out of the library, like HTML for dummies and such. Yeah. And my <laughs> eyes were just crossing. I was like, I am not going to get this. Okay, I understand how to bold, but I don't want to bold. Like, I, I want to know how to make this image overlap this one and how to make it flow right. nicely. And then there was a whole e-commerce portion, and finally I was just like, Okay, credit card, you're going to take a hit right now, but I think it will be worth it. Yeah. And it wasn't WooCommerce at that time. I don't even know if they're still around today, Zencart. But oh, you know, I used Zencart. Did I, you? That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Just I tried it. I had it for about six months. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I had so many problems. And it wasn't, I don't even think it was Zencart's fault. I just, I hired a, a developer to try to implement that. And it just did not work. Yeah, Zencart and I, like, we had a five-year relationship, and it was great. But my whole issue with the company was that I did everything else wrong. I had the awesome site. Yeah. But every other bad decision that I could possibly make, like, it was an e-commerce shop for scrapbooking supplies, specifically. Okay. And I found that there was a distributor who, if I ordered products from, I could have them in a day. So I was thinking, all right, well... If I can have these in a day, then I might as well just start going through their entire library of scrapbooking products and listing them on my site. And if somebody Mm -hmm. orders, then I'll put them, you know, then I'll get it within a day and the customer never needs to know. Right. Bad idea. Because what ended up happening, I mean, if they bought one sheet of one style of paper, I had to buy the pack of 50. Right. So all profit was gone. Like not even just profit, but... I ended up going into like 100000 of debt because people were buying one sheet of paper out of 100 different styles. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that is not the right way to build an e-commerce shop, people. Yeah, there you go. If I was drop shipping, that would have been one thing, but not when, I mean, and the inventory was stored in my house. It drove my ex-husband crazy. Oh, I can imagine that. I mean, that, that kind of uh, just that feels overwhelming. And you were doing so many things in your business that I'm sure you were working like crazy hours. Oh, yeah. And I was working a full-time job at that point. So it became my night job. Oh, wow. I I was not sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you have any thoughts about opening up an e-commerce shop, please, like, reach out. And I will tell you exactly exactly what not to do. But that was also, I mean, it was 2005. I don't even know if Facebook was around yet. I don't think I joined until 2008, 2009. Yeah. So... Yeah, but let's fast forward to those annoying WordPress tasks and the interior design that that you're helping people with today because this is, well, it wasn't your expert area, but I have to ask, like, do you know enough to be dangerous? Because you said you built a great team and my concern while building my business is, well, what if a team member disappears? Yeah. Right. How do I pick up the slack? Yeah, there was a, there's a book called Work the System. I know that book. You know the book. Okay. Yeah. yeah Sam so Carpenter. I, 
Sam Carpenter. Yeah. So before I started this business, I mean, I'd already read the book and I thought it was awesome. I, I went through his course. He has an online course that goes through like how to set up your business in this way of having systems. And one of the things he says at the beginning of the of the course is you always have to have backups for everything, everything you do, everyone you hire, you have to have every system has to have, everything has to have a, a backup. And at first it doesn't really make sense. And then as you go through the course, he keeps repeating that over and over at various times. And by the end of the course, it's like, okay, this is like absolutely necessary. So, so yeah, everything is built around systems and that's the only way I would do this business. I would not do it if I were the guy, like if, if I were the person that that it was, it was all like I was the backup to everything, then I wouldn't even do this because it would just, it would take up all my time and I would be constantly stressed out and like always on call and everything. So I have built this with these systems in place so that, and then with a backup. So there, there's always somebody in the business that's going to be the backup to, to whatever it is. And so, yeah, I've had to hire good people. I mean, this isn't something where I'm just running around trying not trying to find the cheapest possible workers or contractors. It's a finding people that are already, they're already good. And I, you know, can go through an interview process and know that I can rely on them. And yeah, some of them might disappear. In fact, early on, I did hire, I think two people. Well, one, I can remember vividly just completely vanished like i've had that too how irritating right right and so then you know for me it's like okay i can get frustrated with that person but really it comes back to what did i do like my hiring process is not strong enough so Mm -hmm. i had to go back and see like what am i not asking in the interviews what am i not seeing like when i'm because the interviews for me are more about interacting with that particular person more than like oh let's let's find out every single last thing that you know, it's like, that's great. And that's kind of a bare necessity, but it's, it's the personality and like how they interact that are going to have me decide if I'm going to hire that person or not. So yeah, I had to go back and strengthen my hiring process. And, and that's where I feel like that's where I come in. It's like, I'm good at communicating, hiring, firing when necessary and making those changes. And I think it's important to, and this I've learned over the years of business is it's important to, yeah, you can experience frustration and get angry for a few minutes or something, but like it's after that, after you have experienced that emotion, then it's like, just, just immediately go to action because then it's, that's something that you can get over quickly. If you're, if you just kind of wallow in that, like, Oh, this guy screwed up and I need to fire him. And like, you could, it could ruin your week, but it doesn't need to. Right. So I had hired a WordPress designer from overseas on a pretty reputable site and everything was growing great. I had the designs in hand and including for clients and now it's time to implement and the dude has disappeared and I reach out on every single medium that I can. Like, where are you? You know, clients are waiting for this. We need the Photoshop files or whatever you've created. Right. No response. And the I would love to know how you would handle this, but six months yeah. later reaches out to me on LinkedIn for a contact request. Wow. And so I sent him a message instead of accepting. And I said, look, you were responsible for creating these client sites and you just disappeared. That cost me money yeah. because I had to go back and hire somebody else. So what happened? He's like, Oh, whoa, whoa, you know, excuses. Yeah. But he was a really good designer. So I gave him, I, I said, look, I need something else created. Can you do it? And when will you get it back to me? He says, oh, sure, sure. I can have this done for you tomorrow. It was a landing page. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow comes. Nothing. 
Next day, nothing. And I'm sending him messages the whole time. I told him on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday passed, no response. In the meantime, I've had to do the work myself, which I had not allotted into my calendar. Mm-hmm. Saturday, so sorry I haven't gotten back to you in the, in the last day. I was interviewing for other client work, but I told him all I couldn't do it because I need to take care of you. So I, like while five years ago, Kim would have said, okay, no problem. Yeah. I was like, look, this is the second time you've done it to me now. And there were clients waiting on it. And I had to take time out of my calendar when you had committed to it. If you had just told me ahead of time that you couldn't have done it, then I would have put the time into my calendar. But that's not what you told me. So good luck. We will not be working together again. Yeah. Oh, man. That's yeah, that is so rough. I find that that those are patterns. Like if someone does that once, they're most likely going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's so hard to to deal with that. It's yeah. like, uh, and, and it, part of it, I, I'm guessing, you know, this person's overseas, the, the cultural thing, it, it gets that, that can be really tricky because some places have this thing of like saving face where instead of saying, Hey, I, I made a mistake. Can we, can we work on this or admitting to that mistake? They'd rather just disappear forever. Not thinking of the consequences of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's exactly what the person did. They deleted their profile from the site that I had found them on so that I could not even reach out to them or leave feedback on the site. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want, you know, I'm not a, the word just escaped me. Like I'm not a mean person. I'm not a confrontational (laughs) person, but I don't want to see other people get stung with the same thing. So I felt it was my responsibility to leave an honest review. I wasn't going to be mean. I was going to be honest. And all of a sudden it's gone. I'm like, wait a second. That's not cool. You know, you, yeah, you know, yeah. you fouled up. So yeah, that's um, yeah. So we have teams. So I have a technical team and then I have a design team and we call them heroes. We're work heroes. So the team members are all heroes. And I, so if somebody if that happened, let's say it hasn't that doesn't happen to a customer that only happened to me like early on. But if it happened to a customer, let's just say we have the files, like we have everything that we need, whatever it is that they were working on, it's all open to the company. So we can just change, like, it's not ideal, but we can get another one of our team members and just shift everything to them. Yeah. Yeah, So pick up where they left off. Yeah. So it is, there is a backup plan there. And yeah, I also have a partner that has a lot of technical skills. And so he sort of works as a, you know, like a player coach where you're like, he's in there working on people's sites and he's also helping with management and running the company. Yeah, that's awesome. So when I started this current business, I, my first website was through GoDaddy. I'm not trying to bash GoDaddy here, but <laughs> website in a weekend isn't necessarily the the most beautiful websites. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're limited to the constraints, or at least you were in 2012. GoDaddy, please don't sue me. I don't know what your product looks like anymore. So right. I decided yeah. that I was going to go WordPress, and I didn't know a thing. And I mean, I went on alinda.com and learned how to build sites. So today I'm fluent, but I don't want to know about CSS or any more about HTML than I already know. Yeah. And we shouldn't, because that's not no, where shouldn't. our genius zone is. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, exactly. That's going back again to the rich dad thing. It's like, you want to think in the way of uh, like how, like he says, I think he has some quote, like you want to think lazy, like how can I not do all these things, but yes. still have them get done. And that's, I think the best way to go because yeah, otherwise it's time, it's energy. It's, it's, you know, you're costing yourself money. I mean, there's no real reason to do all that stuff in your business. I mean, if you're really passionate about 
programming, I guess that's one way reason to do it. Like that's what you enjoy. And then you can have other people doing other things. Like then you outsource the sales or the business development. But, but I'd say, yeah, like don't do the, the, those type of things because it'll drive you nuts and you'll, you'll be working more hours for much less, you know, dollars per hour. Considering you built your businesses from scratch, were there points that you did have to bootstrap though and you did things that you really didn't want to do? <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, for sure. Um, I mean, I think everyone that starts a business of any kind mm-hmm. goes through that. And there's that book, uh, The E-Myth Revisited. Oh, I'm reading, I'm finishing it like tonight. Oh. I love it. Oh, that it. is a great, great, great book. Yeah, that, I would say that and then The Work the System are the two that if anyone that's starting a business, if you read that, those two, you'll you'll get a really clear idea of how it needs to be structured. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I read Work the System four years ago, and all I could think was, I don't want to be living in the, the storage room of my office. Right. And my office is in my home, but still same thing. I don't want to have to downsize to a one bedroom house with my five children because the system isn't there. Does that mean I set up the system right away? No, my team is only just now getting all of our standard operating procedures set up. But that is another thing, like along with delegating all that stuff that we shouldn't be doing. We also need to be getting the people who are being delegated to to write the system documents and be motivating them to even improve on them after they're written the first time just like your website there's always room for improvement oh yeah oh for sure yeah and yeah just going back to that idea of work the system or emith it's yeah i've definitely done the bootstrapping thing and done like try to do all these different parts of the business and the reason that we do that and the reason I, i can definitely say that the reason i have done that in the past is that it's kind of our our society or our, our culture it promotes this idea of like you always need to be working hard like hard work is commendable it's respected it's what you should be doing especially as a business owner but any job you, you should be working hard and there's all these like uh, ideas out there about well if i run a business you know i need to be like all these other people that spend 60 70 80 hours a week on their businesses otherwise i'm not really taking it seriously and so it's easy to do that thing that in the four hour work week Tim Ferriss calls work for work's sake, where you're doing all this work, but it's more just filling up the time so that you feel sort of good about yourself as opposed to getting really right. a lot accomplished. Yeah. And, and that's where the outsourcing can come in and, and building the systems and being able to step back because yeah, like it sounds like, I mean the, the whole 80 hours, I mean the Elon Musk works 120 hours a week. And I think, and I know he has five kids. I think you said you have five kids. I have five kids. Yep. Yeah. So can you imagine working 120 hours a week and still having enough time to spend with your kids, like quality time with your kids? Is that even, do you think that's possible? No, because, well, I'm getting ready to start traveling tomorrow. So this week has been a really bad example of what I'm always trying to encourage the listeners to do, you know, and take time for family. But I've been working 12 hour days for the last week preparing to be you know, I need to take care of the clients. I need to take care of my business before I go. My mom doesn't have Wi-Fi. I don't know how the next four days is going to go. Okay. <laughs> so I've just had to stack it all up. But I feel like I, I haven't seen my husband. I haven't seen my kids. And they, both my husband and my kids have been rebelling because mom is absent right now. Uh, I yeah. can't even imagine. And I'm not about to hire five nannies to take care of the kids. I produce them. I need to be there. I need to be the nurturer, the caregiver, the, you know, the disciplinarian, the educator, everything. And I'm not. Yeah. No, I can't even imagine. I mean, that 12 hours a day is only 
84 hours if it was seven days a week. Where is, does he not sleep? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I'm such a big proponent of sleeping. That's another like area that I don't think that these people that are sacrificing sleep, like I imagine Elon Musk is, I I don't know his sleep schedule, but I I imagine with 120 hours, and he said that, that's just not something that I just pulled out. He actually has said, I work 120 hours a week. And people have asked him about this whole thing with like, well, what about your family? And he's like, well, I, I have my priorities. And so his priorities are his businesses. I mean, that's it. And his family is coming second. So I think that that is, you know, that's one way of running your life. And some people, that's the way they're going to do it. But I think for the vast majority, it's more important to, to have that time for your family and to be able to, yeah, like just be there and have conversations and not, not just shut yourself in out into your business. It just doesn't, I mean, life is too short for that. Unless you're, I mean, maybe if you're curing cancer or something, there's some reason to, right. to take that time away. But I, I just don't see it for most people. This is not, you know, going to be something like that. I mean, if we're in the walking dead, you know, trying to figure out how to stop the zombie, say the word for me, please. Apocalypse. Thank you. I, I don't know why I can't just say it today, but that's like the only case. Yeah. I don't want to be buried in the ground when I die. But, I, you know, whether it's a plaque on an urn or whatever, I don't want it to say, I saw the back of my mom's head a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th- yeah. that would just, no. I, and it feels really rotten to me right now. But I realize right now, the reason I'm working so much besides travel is because we are setting up the SOPs for our business. Oh, yeah. We're at a team of eight right now. And part of our goal is to be up into the multiple double digits by right. the end of next year. But the only way right. that we're going to get that is to not have to be creating the system or teaching the system from scratch every single time because it's already been documented. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like you're putting in the time now and then later down the road, you'll have way more time Mm. for yourself. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm looking so forward to it. I mean, I already have on the calendar for February, we're going to Disney because we're going to have the system worked out that I can go away for a week. I mean, I I know I can go away for the next week and everything's going to be just fine. And that's the first time in the life of my business Actually, no, that's a lie. Two weeks ago, I went away for a week and everything was just fine. Clients were still being addressed. Yeah. And yeah, I would love to know, are there any standard and or trick questions that you ask prospective team members in order to like that they have to qualify themselves through in order to make the cut to even be considered for your team? No, I don't use anything like that. And and the reason I, I have like a s- standard set of questions I have. So I have one for developers and another set for designers because it's it's quite different. But I, I don't really do that because I, I usually can tell uh, with the back and forth. So our heroes uh, work with customers on uh, both over email and then we have this system like it's like a tracking system uh, called Rike that customers go in and submit their tasks. And so they, those are the they're not talking to customers on the phone. So I don't need like I don't need them to, to be able to speak like amazingly well, but if they are communicating, uh, their written language is solid. And I can see that through the questions that I ask. That's more what I go with. And it, our interviews are uh, 20 to 30 minutes I spend with them on Skype. And and then we put them through a test, like a, a trial. And uh, the trial is a couple days and we give them some tasks. And that's usually enough. Like I don't need to make a big production out of out of interviewing and, and coming up with, you know, all the right exact questions, because I think that it's, it's a much more intuitive process than it is like 
aha, you got that wrong or whatever, you know, like trying to pinpoint one or two things. You know, if they're not qualified, if they don't have the background, then that's easy to eliminate them. If they don't, uh, we have a specific salary that we can pay up to. We can't go above that. So if they are way above it, then there's just no way we can hire them. So there's things that I can eliminate a lot of people right off the bat. It makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier. But yeah, the interviewing, it's, it's more of a intuitive thing. And then how they're working through that trial, are they are they able to ask me questions? Are they, how fast are they? You know, those kind of things. Oh, I love that. So the reason I ask is because there's actually, and listeners, I invite you to go check it out. Like you can always borrow. I don't have any problem with it, but there's a join my team page on thekimsutton.com. And I say, welcome, you know, and, and say, here's who I'm looking for. And then I actually say goodbye. Here's who I'm not looking for. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I say under the goodbye is I am not interested in you. If you, cannot pay attention to detail. And I'll know that you're not paying attention to detail because you won't know that my favorite snack of the moment is, and I put it right there. And then the application is just there below the page or just, just below that. Yeah. The last question is what is Kim's favorite snack of the moment? And right. <laughs> it's amazing how many people don't read. Like, oh yeah. And the reason that that was so important to me, because I've had team members in the past who often consider me to be Google, right? They come mm-hmm. to me first with a question instead of going to Google. It's like, or right. going to the support center for any of the systems that they're working with. And I want to know that they're going to consider the options. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to just put a question out like, what's my favorite snack at the moment if I haven't provided it? And I don't right. expect you to go through, I mean, this is episode 516. I don't expect applicants to listen to 516 episodes to find out what my favorite snack is. Yeah. But I've gotten the funniest responses, Kevin. One of them was, that information is not retrievable from my short-term memory file. <laughs> and I was like, I, wow. I poured myself a margarita after that one. I was, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I had a whole bunch more. So I actually went through the funny ones with my husband and take screenshots, not with the names, and posted it yeah. to my Facebook. I was like, you know, I just want to know, you know, are you paying attention right. to detail? Because detail is so important. Yeah, I agree. I think like one of the things I do with applicants is if they don't use my name in the greeting, they're pretty much out. Like that's right away, especially if it's like dear sir or madam, those type of things. That's just not even when they have access to my name, like they can see my name They Mm -hmm. and they don't use it. That's that's a big red flag. And most people don't. Most people I eliminate so many applicants based on those type of things. Oh, that's classic. I love that because I I get so many and I get I actually get so many unsolicited WordPress requests yeah. every single yeah, day. I do. <laughs> I do too. I get sometimes I just get an email with an attachment. Here's my resume. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, and I'm going to no. open that up. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not inviting you know malware into my computer right now. I didn't ask for it. I also, and this is not about WordPress or you know annoying WordPress tasks. But one of the things that's been getting under my skin lately, and there's not very many things at all that get underneath my skin, is people adding me to their list when I accept their connection on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's... I mean, you and I are in the States, but I, I think it could be the case in many areas of the world. Just because we add you as a LinkedIn connection does not mean it's legal. It's not about it just being wrong because you didn't get the permission, but it's not legal to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's 
Wow. I, I, yeah, I'm sure that's happened to me. I haven't even noticed it. I get on these lists. I'm like, huh, I don't remember subscribing to this. <laughs> it's like, should I market as spam or just unsubscribe? Yeah, I, I don't usually market as spam. I, I'll just unsubscribe. Yeah. And, and then I'll say, I did not ask to be on this list. But it really started, I really started noticing when it was happening, when I started getting put on all these cannabis business lists. And <laughs> cannabis is not legal yet in Ohio. Oh, yeah. So... I know it's not somebody that I met in person, at least right. here. And I wasn't traveling for quite some time. I'm like, I cannot open my own marijuana greenhouse behind my house because it's not even <laughs> legal yet. And I know right. I cannot go and find a warehouse in Ohio because it's not even legal yet. So, yeah, yeah I was like, I don't remember signing up for this. <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you do if you've ever had to deal with this when a client asks for something questionable? Yeah. Can you define questionable? Maybe not completely ethical or moral for their website or for digital marketing. Okay. Yeah. I guess that would be based on my own personal mm -hmm. ethics or morals. I, I, I haven't dealt with that yet. I haven't dealt with anything that's kind of outside of just usual business. You know, um, I, yeah, that's a good question. What would I do if that came up? If it really goes against my kind of moral code, I wouldn't take on that customer. I just then let go, uh, sacrifice the money and all that. I just wouldn't do it. If it's in the middle of something, like they're already, like maybe it starts out just totally normal and everything's cool and then something comes up, then yeah, I would have to step in. I, I don't, I couldn't, there's no way I can see myself just going, eh, they're paying us, let's just let that slide. I, I think I would have to step in and, and just not do it. That's awesome. And the reason- What, about, what would you do? <laughs> so I actually had a client who lived in Canada where the can spam laws are even stricter than they are in the US. I mean, you have to get a double opt-in in Canada. Oh, yeah. When somebody opts in for your list. And she had gotten a list from a colleague that she wanted me to put into her Infusionsoft. Mm. But they, they had not given permission for her to add them to her list. And I told uh -oh. her no. So I got immediately fired. Yeah. And listeners, I just want you to know that you can be fined, especially in Ohio, like you'll get dings left and right against you in the States and you, your internet or your email service provider, like MailChimp or Infusionsoft might actually shut down your account and you'll lose everything. Mm. But in Canada, you can get fined like 25,000 up for doing something like that. And, wow. and not just her, but me as well. So I'm not going to put my business on the line. Well, she came back and sued me because she had to find somebody else to do it. Wow. And I don't know if That's that person insane. did. But I just provided the evidence. I was like, look, there is a can spam law. And this, yeah. I am not going to be held liable for participating in illegal activity. And yeah. it was never discussed further. Okay. That's yeah. good. <laughs> but I mean, I know that when, if, listener, if you're an entrepreneur who may be in scarcity mode, you might be looking for ways to keep your client happy. But please do not question your values or what's ethical yeah. or what's even legal to do it. Because... No amount of money now is going to make up for the cost that it might cost you and your business later if you participate in those activities. Yeah, it's so tempting. I mean, some of those things are so tempting when the money is being thrown in mm -hmm. front of you. And to do this thing, they, I mean, I've had some similar things in the past where it's like, it's tempting because you want to feel like, well, if I, you kind of feel like, well, if I do this, if I get this contract, whatever it is, then I'll feel successful. And, and it's like, then I can say, oh, I'm a six figure business, whatever it is. And, but it's never worth it. It's never, ever worth it. It's like, it's always going to come back to bite you, even if it's just your conscious, like, you know, doing that. I, I think it's much better to just hold out and like 
spend the time because it's it's kind of like the get rich quick thing. It's like, yeah, get rich quick sounds great on paper, but it almost never works and you're much better off spending the time building and then having the rewards of that later. Absolutely. What I had a huge shift in my business a couple of years ago because up until then I was running on income based like I mm-hmm. was chasing every single last dollar. Like I was yeah. scared where the next dollar was going to come from. I said yes to everybody, even who I like. I wasn't at all passionate about the product or the industry, uh, and I was only sleeping two to three hours a night, Kevin. Oh. I mean, I and I don't mean to take this so low in the conversation, but in July of 2016, I was ready to kill myself because uh, I had such severe sleep deprivation. Right. But after I woke up from that no pun intended, I realized this is not the way to be running the business. But right. I started reflecting on all those Facebook posts where we see people saying, I have a five-figure monthly business. Do you want to learn how to do the same? But we're, what we're not seeing is, is this a one-time thing? Is yeah. it consistent? Let's see your proven track record. And there's so much just phony crap out there, part of my mouth, but there just is. So, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear. I mean, that, that sounds like horrible. And I, I just last night watched this video, this pot, it was a video podcast on the importance of sleep. And it's, it goes way beyond what most people realize how important sleep. And I was, I mentioned this earlier, but I wanted to, to bring it up because you said that about getting the two hours sleep and people think that I can cut a little back on sleep a little and do better in my business, but it will always come back to haunt you. And oh, it does. And you're sacrificing health. And this video was, and I can send you the link if oh, you want. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, that will be yeah. in the show notes. Oh, great, great. Yeah, because I think everyone should know this because it talks about the sacrificing sleep is setting you up to be much more prone for cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, there's a direct correlation. And even just, even just like most people need about seven to nine hours and even just going, cutting back to like six hours is damaging to your health. And it's never worth it because with your business, it's like, you're not going to be, you know how it is. I mean, you're not going to feel as good. You're not going to do as good work. And so you're better off just getting like uh, prioritizing sleep, getting to sleep and then going and tackling whatever the problems are. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I noticed that task that should have taken two hours started taking eight because I was yeah. sleeping two hours instead of eight. Right. Right. right? And yeah, yeah it, it all productivity went down the brain and so did my mood. And I didn't realize until I was going through that. And it's amazing how it's carried through for the last two years that I did not know that there were toxins that the body purges while we're sleeping. And I, yeah. like, I, I just started working with a fitness and nutrition coach and my body was aching after working out one day. And she's like, you need to give yourself a day off because if you're trying to lose weight, weight loss isn't going to happen when your body is extremely exhausted. Right, right. And I had yeah. never thought about that. I was like, okay, I need to keep on pushing. I killed myself on the elliptical yesterday. I need to do it again today. <laughs> She's like, yeah. no, if your body is aching that bad that you can barely walk across your kitchen, then you need to give yourself a day off. And I was shocked because I was at a plateau on the day that I talked to her. It had been like five days in a row of eating all healthy and exercising. And she tells me to take a day off. And then the next day I weighed myself and I had gone down like three more pounds. I was like, aha, so I can sleep and still lose weight. That does not mean that we can be couch potatoes people and lose weight. No. Right. Yeah. What are you most passionate about in your business right now? And what are you looking forward to in the next 90 days? Oh, um, so I, yeah, so I'm, I'm really passionate about I've got kind of a, like we switched our avatar, our, our target audience about four or five months ago. And now I'm, I'm sort of working with more agency owners, like marketing agencies, digital agency owners. 
And um, I just went to a conference over the weekend for for agency owners, just so I can like really learn about that group of people, like what they're doing, what they need. And so I'm working with several right now. And so what I'm really passionate about is is just the all the connections. So like like personal human connections is what I, is what I mean. Like so first with my team, like my part, I have a partner, and then we have these teams that I mentioned and, you know, really establishing like, so we're all connected and we have our Slack channel, but, you know, getting more like where we're doing one-on-one meetings and, and things like that. And, and so, yeah, like solidifying that team, I think that's really exciting for me. And then growing the business through this new target audience. I don't know how else to say that target or avatar or whatever, but I feel like we have so much to offer that we can help these people that, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to get them kind of into our system and submitting their work and, you know, just being able to take care of that for them. And I'm sorry, you had another question. Actually, you answered them both. But then I have another question. Are you going to be at Social Media Marketing World then next year? Because that would probably be a huge place for you to be. And I think it's usually in San Diego unless they sit out. It's here. It's in my backyard. It's like amazing. I've never been, but I, I, you're like the fourth person in the last month. I think that's told me that there would be a great place to go. So yeah, I'm, I'm planning on going this, this next year. Oh yeah, absolutely. If it's in your backyard, no excuse. And I think actually, I know this past year that traffic and conversion summit overlapped with the social media marketing world. So both be great for you. Right. I, I go to the traffic and conversion every year. That's that's a like I, I've hardly ever missed that one. I think since, I don't know, five, six years ago. But uh, yeah, I skipped the social media. I know a lot of people come out to San Diego for like a month because of those two Absolutely. conferences. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad idea. Coincidentally, in April, there was traffic and conversion summit. Then there was social media marketing world. And then there was new media summit, which started the day that social media marketing world ended. So I told my husband, I I didn't end up going to all three. I only went to New Media Summit, but I was like, sweetie, I'm going to be gone for like three weeks. And I saw from the look on his face, oh no, you're not. Like he would never tell me not. But I knew that I was not going to come home to my husband in the same state as I left him if I possibly did that to him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This has been a totally enlightening conversation, Kevin. I want to thank you for spending your time with us today. Where can listeners find you online, get to know more and connect with you. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. I, I really enjoyed this conversation as well. I, um, I like the way you, you conduct interviews and like I've listened to some of your previous shows and I, I really appreciate like the back and forth conversation because so many podcasts are just like question, dun, answer, dun, question, dun, answer. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, yeah. And it's like, I, I can't stand those. So anyway, like, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I can be reached at uh, useworkhero.com, U-S-E, useworkhero.com and Kevin at useworkhero. Uh, is my email address. And if you want to look at my other site, it's try, T-R-I, swimcoach.com. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I forgot to ask if you still had that. So I'm so happy to hear that you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's still a need for that. So yeah, we uh, we have the whole program set up there. So Awesome. Actually, I have one more question for you before your parting piece of advice. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I do about seven and a half to eight hours mm-hmm. a night. And if I get less than that, I just don't feel right. So I, I really target that and, and I kind of guard my sleep as much as I possibly can so that it's not interrupted. And of course, I, you know, I'm human. I've had days where it's like it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. But but yeah, after watching that video, too, I'm, now I'm even more 
valuing of sleep because I think it's it's one of those keys that is just so overlooked. I even heard I was listening to a, po- a business podcast yesterday and the guy was saying, you know, if you really want it, if you really want something, you need to sacrifice. And if it means getting less sleep, then you just need oh. to do that. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's, not, that's not the way to do it. No, we need to send that guy sleep revolution. I haven't read it yet. That's on my list for after I finish the current five books I'm reading. But yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's about time. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate all your insight. And yeah, the conversation was amazing. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you'd like to offer listeners? Uh, Besides, you know, get your sleep. (laughs) I I think it goes back to our conversation. Uh, One of the things that I've learned more recently, actually, even though I've kind of done the passion the businesses that I'm passionate about, but I, I, it took me a while to really get this, but is not to chase money ever, like never chase money. And because I look back at my life and what I've done and when I've been like successful according to society, like where I'm making good money and then times when I have not been successful or not making good money. And it's, it's, it never has to do with the actual money that I'm bringing in. It's more like, am I excited about what I'm doing or am I, am I not? If I'm not excited, but I'm bringing in money, it's not fulfilling and it, it's not sustainable is the main thing. It's like, I just can't do it for very long. So I, yeah, I would say that the whole thing of chasing money and listening to too many podcasts that, that go into that, like, oh, six figure, eight figure, nine figure, you know, all that, like that to me is demotivating. And I, I think that people, the, the intention is to try to motivate people. Like you're starting a business or you're, you've got a business and you want to expand or you want to, um, you know, you want to do better. And the idea is like, you listen to this podcast of some guy that makes, you know, $10 million a month and it's going to be motivating. But a lot of times I think that's demotivating. And instead the focus needs to not just go get completely away from money. And, uh, you know, what is it that you're going to be passionate or excited about? I guess passion is a word that's kind of overused, but just something that you're going to be excited about and that you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, I want to do this. And I want to go talk to people about what I'm doing. And, you know, instead of like, how can I make, you know, another thousand dollars or whatever it is. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 